the word of the Lord from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear hearers in Christ, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Suppose that you are living in Judea in about 32 AD and you have a withered hand. It's been this way since you were born. It's tough getting through life with only one working hand, but what are you going to do? You can't just unwither it. One day... You hear that a rabbi named Jesus is traveling through Judea and Galilee and that he heals withered hands. He does it just by telling people to stretch out their hands and by his command, he unwithers them and makes them whole. Then you hear that he's not just out there somewhere, but he's staying one town over. What do you do? I think it's pretty obvious that you put on your walking shoes and you go and find him. There isn't a single time in the Gospels where Jesus turns someone away who's in need of healing. If you can find him, you'll have two good hands in no time. Now, Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, he could just say, Call upon me to heal you wherever you are, even if I'm up in Jericho and you're down in Bethlehem. But he's chosen to tie such miracles to his location, to his presence. If you're in Bethlehem, it probably won't work to cry out, Lord, have mercy, 
if Jesus is in Jericho as God, he hears that prayer, but in his wisdom, he's helping those in the same location that his incarnate body and blood are situated. Of course, Jesus doesn't always operate that way. In Luke 10, he sends out 72 men in pairs and tells them, Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. The 72 go out, and when they come back, they return with joy and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Note those last words, in your name. When the 72 go out, they go out as Jesus' representatives. Let's say one of them is named O. Bucky. When he encounters a leper, he doesn't say, be healed in the name of Bucky, because he doesn't have any power to heal anybody. He does, however, have authority. He's been authorized by Jesus to speak in Jesus' name. When he meets the leper, he says something like, be healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You could say it this way. I've been sent by Jesus to say what Jesus would say to a leper who came to him for help. And if Jesus were standing here, he would say, be healed. And that word, that word in the name of Jesus, cleanses the leper. For a brief time then, during Jesus' incarnate ministry, you have a much better chance of being healed. You can either find Jesus... Or you can find one of 36 teams that have spread out across the land. Your odds have increased significantly. Sure, it would be cool to say, I heard Jesus himself speak these words. But if you run into Bucky and walk away with two good hands because Jesus did the healing through him, you're going to have two good hands because Jesus healed you. The 72 aren't out there very long, but Jesus does the same thing with his apostles before he ascends into heaven. So in Acts 3, Peter and John encounter a lame man by the temple begging for money. Peter looks at him and says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Note the phrasing again. Peter doesn't say, in the name of Peter of Capernaum, rise up and walk, because Peter doesn't have the power to heal anybody. Jesus does, and he's given Peter the authority to speak in his name. So Peter essentially says to the lame man, I'm here to say what Jesus would say if he were standing here, and he would say to you, rise up and walk. It would be really, really cool if that authority continued past the apostles. In which case, I have good news for you. Our gospel reading finds ten of the disciples in a locked room as the sun is setting on Easter Sunday. They've heard that Jesus is risen from the dead, but they haven't seen him, and so they're currently locked in a room out of fear. 
all of a sudden Jesus is in their midst. And whenever we hear this passage, there are a few things we should always rejoice in. First off, his first words to them are, peace be with you. They could have been, you're fired or I'm very disappointed, but their peace be with you. And that's not just don't panic. It's an absolution. It is God in the flesh saying to them, I have taken away all sin and all unholiness that would make us enemies, and I had to die to get it done. But now I am risen again, and since all of that is gone, we are at peace. This is why I usually wish you God's peace as you leave the service, just as one last reminder that God favors you and doesn't hold your sins against you, all for Jesus' sake. Second, Jesus shows him his hands and his side where the nails and the spear went in. It's really him, for they can see the wounds. But more than that, it's really Jesus' body and all. His body wasn't just a husk that he kept until salvation was won. He's keeping it. He's still incarnate for your salvation. Put those two together, and it's why just before you receive the Lord's Supper, I hold up the elements and say, The peace of the Lord be with you always. Because in, with, and under that bread and wine is Jesus, body, blood, and all, for the forgiveness of sins. That's the same Jesus who appears to his disciples, body, blood, and all, in that locked room. He was there with them. He is just as here with you. But here's the part that I especially want to get to today. Jesus says to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Then he breathes on them. You know, kind of like how God first breathed life into Adam in the beginning. And Jesus says to the disciples, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus gives his apostles the authority to forgive sins. Not just the apostles, but the church. So imagine that you're living in Idaho in the 21st century AD and you have a withered soul. You have a troubled conscience because you're burdened by sin. You know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you know that he has risen again, and that he appeared to the disciples to say he was at peace with them. It would be great if you could go to where Jesus is, look at him face to face, confess your sins, and hear him say to you, I forgive you. I'm at peace with you. But Jesus has ascended into heaven, still present in this world, but hidden from view, so you can't look at him face to face. Your next best option then would be to track down one of those apostles who was in the room that evening, although I suppose St. Paul, St. Thomas, or even St. Matthias would do. That gives you 13 times the options as just Jesus, but... All the apostles are human like you, and they've all died the first death and await the resurrection on the last day. 
So you can't look at them face to face now either. Happily for you, while the apostles are long gone, the apostolic ministry continues. The Lord still calls men through the church and authorizes them to carry on the work of the pastor. That's why a pastor can stand before a congregation at the start of a service and say, In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Every now and then a visitor will get upset with the absolution here and say, Who does that guy think he is to say, I forgive you all of your sins? Does he think he's God? The answer is in the words of absolution, but I'll paraphrase them here. I am nobody, and if I forgave you in the name of Tim, it wouldn't do you a bit of good. But I am called as a pastor to say what Jesus would say if he was standing in front of people who just confessed their sins, and Jesus, of course, would say, I forgive you. Works for people. Works for individual people, too. If you've got a sin that dogs you and you cannot get past it, that's why we keep private confession and absolution around. You can meet with a pastor one-on-one, and there, with the promise of confidentiality, you can name the specific sin that terrifies you and hear that that sin is forgiven. I'm never allowed to repeat a confession because I'm there in the stead and by the command of Christ. And if he no longer remembers your sins, then I no longer remember your sins. The way my scatterbrain mind works these days, I probably can't remember your sins. The point in all this is not to exalt the office of the pastor, but to say this. Although Christ is ascended into heaven, he is still present in this world in his means of grace. And although you cannot see him, He desires to draw you near to himself. It's why he gave you the Holy Communion, that you might partake of his body and blood until he returns in glory. It's why he gave you the office of the keys, the gift of preaching, the gift of absolution, so that you might still hear Jesus speak through the mouth of another. By the way, lest anyone think I'm saying that only a pastor can speak of forgiveness, I've already said that the Lord has given that gift to the church, to all Christians. Yet he also appoints pastors to speak in his stead and by his command. Until Jesus returns in glory, he is present here. He's just unseen. As a child of God, as a member of his bride, as one redeemed by his blood, as one whom he has said, follow me... Why would you not draw as near as possible to him? This is why it's sad to hear some say, I don't need to hear the absolution because I can pray for forgiveness and remember Christ's word. Well, okay. That's also like a bride whose husband has gone off to, say, World War II saying, I sure hope none of my husband's buddies drops by on leave to give me a message from him because... I can just remember what he said before he left. It's why it's not good to be a Christian who doesn't come to church. 
Once again, that's like a bride who says, I love being married as long as I'm in a different house than my husband. It's also, by the way, why I'm not a big fan of streaming worship services. And now I can finally articulate why. It's like a bride saying, rather than be as close to my husband as I can, I'll just watch him on TV. On this Sunday three years ago, no one was gathered here. We still had suspended services because of COVID-19. At the time, it seemed a decent, though difficult, decision. At the time, I also said, this is my first pandemic, and I'll do better next time. Three years out, hindsight and all, that decision, mixed feelings. God forbid that there is a next time, but let us be bold to meet where Jesus promises to meet us. For Jesus meets us in his means of grace to say, Peace be with you. I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.